Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Crossover. Starring Josh Johnson and Chris McGill. Featuring Christina Thorson. And of course, you, the Instagram live chat. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's edition of The Crossover. Powered by Card Ladder. Do you have mail days this week, Josh? Yeah, I have one. Nice. Is it that giant one that you went live with? Oh, yeah. All right, let me go first then, because I don't want to be this lame second act. So I'll do my mail days real quick first. Pick this one up in Dallas Card Show today. Found a McCaffrey. Oh, nice. McCaffrey one of one in the wild. What? Uh, oh. Courtesy of Baldy Sports Cards, the great Eric. Appreciate it, Baldy. And then got these two in the mail today. Two more <laughs> two more yoga job the golds. Is that the reason? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> we got three of those now. <laughs> and the gold vinyl one of one as well. So might as well get all time. Share the wealth, man. Um, that's the most shocking thing that's ever happened on Crossover. You bought a card at a card show? I know, I know. It was very unusual, did you, but I did. Did you, like walk, did you, like, walk past it thinking, that can't be real? And then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. That's hilarious and amazing. Congrats. <laughs> wanna, Thanks. All right. I want to hear about the show after I show you my huge one. Sure. <laughs> and the card as well? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, 2005 Finest Gold x Fractor. So then I also have the regular gold, which is a bit odd for me to have two parallels, but, you know, fuck it. Yeah. They're both cool. That's so nasty. Out of 29, PSA 10. Don't tell the gold, but I kind of like this one better. <laughs> Why is that? You you love the X-Fractor finish. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's gold and it's X-Fractor. Plus, there's not a lot of gold X-Fractors. I think 2000. Four has one as well, and that one's out of five, which is bananas. Um, I don't think there's any other gold X-Fractors. So, and this is like my favorite design of any of his sets. So it's just kind of a kind of a neat card, and the the pops only three, so you know, has all the right boxes. Yeah, and then you did the research to find the origin of the photograph as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. I mean, once I saw the Lakers jersey, I was like, this can't be that hard. You know, Lakers, Cavs, probably on national TV, probably not too hard to find. Oh, true, true, true. All it takes is just that one. You got a clue or two that helps. Well, on the live, I was like, I wonder if that's Pau Gasol. And I just, like, wasn't really thinking much about it. Because Pau didn't join the team until 2007, I believe. So that's yeah. impossible. And then people on the live were guessing Chris Mim. And it ended up being Brian Cook. Mm. Okay. Good old Brian Cook. Nice. He was like a stretch, one of the one of the first stretch four big men. Remember that? He was a pretty decent shooter. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was solid. Okay. Uh, so, announcements, if we have any card ladder related. I, I just want to mention the um, full-blown population reports once more that card letter now has. I mean, it's basically like a second app in some sense because it's, it's a totally different way 
to understand the information card letter has gives you population reports courtesy of gem rates and then also for cards that we have card letter pricing on the prices can be found right there on the population reports so just want to shout out that do we have any other announcements josh or christina that we should mention no nope so okay all right then let's get to of uh, the first question, Card Gems twenty three wants to know what the Dallas Card Show vibe was like today. And I'm telling you, the vibes were pretty good. If I'm buying a card, the vibes are pretty good. I I just stimulated the card economy quite a bit with uh, that McCaffrey pickup. So I don't know, man. It was a good show. Uh, nice to see familiar faces. De every deal. I talked to said that uh, it was the most action they've had in months. Nice. One of the best nice. shows in recent memory. Uh, one. Uh, Holy Friday. Yeah, the great Jordan Riker. Shout out Jordan. In particular, said thanked me for not, not wearing the Nuggets hoodie, which I believe I have worn the Nuggets hoodie to that Dallas show. Yeah. <laughs> and he also said. Uh, that for him, you know, previous shows had been a lot of people sort of looking to trade cards that they didn't want with dealers. <laughs> and he said this time it's been a lot of cash. A lot of people were walking around buying cards with cash rather than trying to trade out of some of this junk that they don't want. So what do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they got rid of all their junk. And now they're ready. To, there's no more junk left to dump off. Or people feel a little more confident again. We've seen a number of market rallies uh, to start yeah. this year. And anecdotally, I see it in cards, too, when I look at sales on a nightly basis. Mm. So, you know, over the last week, nine of card ladders, 24 indexes are positive. The card ladder 50 uh, year to date... <laughs> The card letter 50 year to date is up 9%, uh, which is pretty good. So, I don't know. What do you think, Josh? What, do, you, do you notice this? Do you see this, uh, people getting a little more confident again? Uh, um, well, I was going to bring up that I noticed that, like, the stock market is up a, a lot in the last few days, yeah. like you mentioned, and Bitcoin is up to, like, 21,000, and it could be just, like, a short surge of people being excited they've got a little extra money from the market going up or you know not anecdotally personal experience like cards are just kind of in my range now and might that might be true for more than for more people you know like they just might feel like hey i haven't been able to buy because cards have been too expensive and now that they're cheaper uh it's getting closer i was talking to someone on instagram about how He's like he has a strategy where he's basically targeting cards that are at prices from 2019, and he, his thought process is like pre-COVID, pre-craziness, pre-you know inflation and all, or you know like um, stimulus and like people having extra money. And he's thinking, well, if I go back to 2019, I can kind of pick up where the hobby like organically left off, and I can kind of just keep going that slow up and right. So that's kind of an interesting thought. So, like, if we're back to that range, maybe that's kind of where people are rem remembering, like, hey, this is what I can afford again. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, also, 504 person submits a competing hypothesis. He says dentists got their bonuses. 
which, you know, that will definitely supercharge the card. Holidays are over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beavis, Beavis Cards, appropriately named, says crypto dick butts to the moon. <laughs> so I'm not ready to go that far. But, it, you know, if I, I'm, I'm not even going to look up the coin gecko chart on crypto dick butts because if I see that they're up 800%, I'm going to end the live now. So close that, uh, close the door to your balcony. Please lock it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, okay. So, hey, Christina, do you have any thoughts on the Dallas Card Show? It was really fun. It was a really, really nice show. It was really nice to see everyone. Mm-hmm. Try. Uh, don't take any of my. What? Don't take any of my observations. Just your own. <laughs> Start yeah. name dropping. Name drop. <laughs> Go ahead, Christina. What do you got? I'm sorry. I'm just teasing you. Uh, it's fine. I'm used to it. Um, I don't know. Like, I we were on the hunt for some wax, and yep. it was not there. And the wax that we did see, unfortunately, like a lot of it was overpriced. Yeah. Like two X what it last sold at. Mm. Um, which I get. Capitalism is real. So, um, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm I'm happy with the amount of traffic I saw. Yeah, me too. I hope everyone's having fun at trade night. Yeah, yep. Trade night is ripping and roaring. All right, next question. JGP Collectibles says, it appears that lawsuits or threats of a lawsuit are being dished out left and right nowadays. Is this the softest era in the, that the sports card hobby has ever seen? And then Publius13 replied to that, uh, there's nothing soft about being awarded damages, son. Uh, it's spoken like a lawyer. So um, I wanted to rip off a thought or two about this briefly. I don't know just any of the details of this, so you're going to have to leave this one. I don't know. I, I, there are a few lawsuits maybe brewing or maybe a few complaints have surfaced, but I don't know that they've actually been filed. Maybe a few demand letters have been sent. Uh, here's the thing, though. You know, when I was in law school, they taught us that for your future clients, being sued is maybe going to be one of the worst stretches of their lives because it's very scary. It's very intimidating. It's very adversarial. It's a constant game and battle of leverage and intimidation and stuff. And plus, it's just so uncertain. Uh, and, And I think that's fair. But if you actually kind of know the mechanics behind how and why uh, the law, especially civil law, operates the way that it does, uh, then it's not so much scary as it's just like, hey, this is how it works. This, this is how it has to proceed in order to get to a resolution. And the law exists to solve problems that we can't rectify independently on our own. So it's, it's a good thing that it's there. And when the stakes are as high as they are in sports cards, and when people feel as strong as they do about stuff in sports cards, sometimes we are going to need the law to solve stuff for us. So I don't know if it makes the sports card hobby the softest it's ever been, that people are suing each other. It would be nice if things could be rectified on their own. But uh, the law is going to always be a part of this hobby. It's, and it, and, there's, and it's, sometimes it's going to play a role in solving disputes between people that they can't solve on their own. It, the law is real, and it, 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 it serves a good purpose, 
when people have to invoke it. So those are some thoughts about lawsuits, Josh. My only thought is sometimes we fly a little too close to the sun with the content, and it's going to bite you in the ass. Mm. Yeah, that can be true. You know, that, I also think there's a big misunderstanding about uh, criticism, free speech, and protected speech versus non-protected speech and so on, comments, sections, and like there's a much bigger discussion there about, uh, you know, how different is speech now that the public square isn't like a place on the corner where, you know, people can yell whatever they want to yell. And instead it's like every place you look on your phone in your virtual world, there's commenters and people saying nasty, wild things. And I think that's that almost all that's going to be protected speech. It is. It's just going to be protected free speech. And as a society of people, we're going to have to learn how to have thicker skin. And we're going to have mm-hmm. to learn how to take criticism from comment sections that is not edited, that never went by an editor, that never you know, was reviewed by anybody that's often fired off in the heat of passion or in the heat of the moment. That's going to be the way we talk to each other when it's mediated through social media. And we're just, as a society, as a community of people, we're going to have to toughen up. And we're going to have to learn that people are going to say horrible things about all of us. And it's just, <laughs> it's just how it's going to be, man. So we can't file defamation lawsuits anytime someone says something mean about us? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Oh, that's and- very... We're going to have to figure out that, like, people say lots of dumb things online <laughs> all the time. Uh, all the time. And that, like, just because something is said about us or somebody else and that it keeps getting said over and over by a lot of different people, you know, that that doesn't make it true. It might just be that a bunch of dumb people hold a dumb opinion. That happens a lot. So, all right. We have two uh, early show title contenders. One is Learn to Toughen Up, suggested by by Stiff. And then the other one was Let Me Show You My Huge One. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just couldn't pass that one up. I couldn't pass that up. We're going to go on this too. You got a huge one, don't you? Uh, uh, Not like that. Okay. It could also be titled You Got a Huge One, Don't You? That's the variation. Uh, okay. Mostly 90s basketball. <laughs> you already divulged into giggling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. this, this is going off the rails early. All right. This is what happens when we have to be professional with a guest in the previous week. We just start off in hour three the next week. All right. Mostly or you make us basketball. talk about lawsuits and law. Then we just... Yeah, then we need a relief from that quickly. All right. right. I agree. All right. Uh, Jake says, or I'm sorry, this isn't Jake. This is David. Sorry, Jake and David. All right. He says, on card photographs. And we've been doing content around uh, the photographs and cards lately. He says, rank what matters the most to you. Is it the action captured in the photograph? Is it the jersey or the shoes the player wore? Is it something about the background? Is it the importance of the on card moment? Uh, is it the 
the timeliness, you know, that the photo that, that the photo comes from the right game or the right season. Mm. What matters the most to you in an on card uh, in the photograph used on a card? Mm. Mm. I would say the percentage of their total body depicted in the card. Okay, that's a good one. Do you love LeBron James? I have one LeBron that I like where it's just his headshot, but that's an exception. I usually don't like just the headshot ones. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. Do you have to have, like, a ratio of full body to the rest of the card? Or does that little LeBron mini photo... uh, you're talking about the 20-point prism? Yeah. That's that's on the list. You know, the, the ratio of card to body <laughs> size. What an epic card that uh, offended many. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is the card in question for those who are unfamiliar with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they kind of wanted to capture, you know, all the stuff in the background, so I get it, but they could have zoomed in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Do you ever? What do you think about when you're looking at cards? It, uh, I, I'm with you. I just, I'm, I'm a little more generic. Mine is just the, the. It has to be aesthetically pleasing first and foremost and above all. If it's a poor photo selection, it's a non-starter. You know, if the player's making a really awkward face or Cook, just, uh, cradling the ball, <laughs> and and the <laughs> Panini has selected at least ten, maybe twelve Luca photographs that just have ruled out ever collecting those cards for me. <laughs> they ruled out ever collecting those cards for me just because. <laughs> <laughs> just, just because uh, they have uh, a terrible photograph. So, yeah, the photo has to be good. That's, like, the first thing I look for. And then from there, I don't really care that much. If it's a player you like, every game, every photo is going to have significance. I, I would say, you know, I just like being able to identify where it came from. Yeah. And, so, and a lot of times it's really hard to do that. The 03 Bowman really bothers me because I would like to have, like, all the golds, you know? Mm-hmm. But the 03 rookie just bothers me so much. Like, if I'm going to spend that much money on a card, because that card's expensive, he's just, like, standing there, and he's wearing sneakers that aren't tied, and I'm just like, it's just too far away from him playing basketball. Like, he's not even close to being on a court playing basketball game, which is what I'm buying cards for, is these guys playing basketball, you know? Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, we we maybe have a few cards that don't depict an action shot, but it but just a few, you know. Yeah, we have the luck we have the luck of the lottery set, which is maybe like eight eight or nine cards we have. Those, yeah, those are like I I would make an exception for like the white suit LeBron, mm-hmm. similar to the luck of lottery, because it's like it's like a specific thing, like it's talking about the draft in the card, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, the, it it's a concept. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, it, you know, I've tried actually, one last thought on this topic. I've tried to make the 1998-99 Ultra Michael Jordan card feel more important to myself by pointing out that he's wearing the original Air Jordan 1s. And it, I believe it was during it was during an important Knicks-Bulls game. Maybe his last game he played 
at the garden in a Bulls uniform. But it just, it doesn't, it's too... It was in the documentary. Yeah, and it was in the documentary, yeah. But it's just too conceptual for me. Like, I, at the end of the day, I don't get that worked up over it. You know, I just, I, I try to, I just don't care quite that much. I, I, I would find it meaningful. Did the photo research thing, someone maybe jokingly said it, like, oh, that increases the value. And the, it doesn't for me. It was just kind of, it didn't make a card any more interesting. It just kind of was like a fun exercise, you know? Yep. Yep, exactly. It's, it, it helps tell a neat story about the card to other card nerds. But that's, it's, it's just something to think, an, an actual thing to think about. Uh, the 41st pick says, this is not a question, but a plea. I hope in the future that you add the ability to include a card's source photograph on card letter. And I followed up, I was like, what do you mean by this? And he was like, I want to be able, because he did this for one of his cards in his PC as well. He's like, I want to be able to like put a link mm. to the YouTube video that has a picture of the card. And somebody else messaged me on Instagram earlier this week and had a similar thought. They were like, is there a way that I could embed the link to the YouTube video that shows the origin of my card? So what do you think? About um, that? You can put notes into your collection, but we do not like render out links. Let yeah. me think about that one because there's some like security flaws. If you let people render links, they can put dubious things into there and you click the link and it does something bad kind of stuff yeah it's a good point so we just render it as text but the notes you could put the url in the notes you can copy paste it okay. all right seed has been planted there hi uh i might yeah i might try that put it on the notes and see how that works okay hi you, you won't be able to click it directly yeah <laughs> okay Shape feelings as cards should have a MySpace page. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, High Faith eighty two says, "Are non-numbered colored refractors just glorified base cards now?" <laughs> so like, the questions I think they he has in mind or she have in mind: prism silvers and greens and you know. Red waves and just all the un <laughs> all the unnumbered stuff. Five hundred four says, "Will Christina ever be a moderator?" She's got to earn it. Uh, you we earn all it. know it. Let's stop pretending. <laughs> all right, what do you think about that, Josh? Do you are are uh, are the new face mm. cards just silvers and greens and unnumbered refreshments? Yeah. The the guy that I was talking to. That I mentioned earlier, we were also he said something like how you and I have like ruined cards numbered to like two fifty and and higher for him, and it just made me think of this where it's like if it's not numbered, it just it's just like it's much harder for us to get excited about it. One because yeah. we just, just like see them a lot more, and you know we know that there's just a lot more of them out there, et cetera. So I get the sentiment. Uh, it's I don't know that I'd go that far because. The, like the whole base thing that was which was crazy to us was that yes there's a lot of them but two like they just they like inherently are supposed to look plain so that relatively the colored ones and the shiny ones look cooler so like 
it just was very silly that like you're not even buying on aesthetics you're just literally buying on total hype and and investment purposes you're not even like trying to pick one that looks nicer so i do think there's a difference yeah what's up with all these president comments andrew kesey says hoge and josh for president what is are people in the political mood uh right now for some reason i'm not aware of <laughs> it's not political season is it no and then Christina says, uh, in response to her being the moderator, she would abuse the power. She's the villain. Christina did well, I think... snap at somebody today. Can I? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. We were trying to pull down the street to go to our apartment. And, of course, the American Airlines Center has an event tonight, so it's all blocked off. And there was a clear path for me to turn down the road. And the person directing traffic was like, no, no, don't do it. And I was like, but I just live right there. And she was like, no, you can't. She just starts like gesturing wildly, like, you got to get back. It's over there now. And then and I say, so I rolled down my window and I said, okay, all right, got it. Thank you. And then as the window is rolling up, Christina's like, and thanks for being nice about it. <laughs> I love those last second jabs where they can't respond. Oh, nice. Man. It, was, it was rough. All right. I think it's because earlier in the show, on the lawyer question, the legal question, you had like a pretty nice soul speech there. So people are feeling presidential. People like the free speech stuff. They do. They just, they felt like, man, that was some like quality leadership right there. Look at these two guys. <laughs> well, I've never seen the chat get more riled up than when Christina had her rant last week about uh, let these, let people sell their DeMar Hamlets at whatever <laughs> price they want, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the chat was like really rallying behind that. I was very disappointed. I heard, I heard uh, Andrew on Luca Tigers talking about that too. Andrew was getting pretty fired up about the same. He was on Christina's side. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so that might make you want to change your mind there. Yeah, it makes, me, it makes me second guess. Oh, no. no. Don't do that to Andrew. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Cage is going to report back. <laughs> Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, Tiger Jordan 311 says, Today marks five days without me buying a car. My longest streak since 2016. <laughs> five days. Uh, oh, my what, God. What's been the longest for you? A lot more than five days. That seems like – that's impressive. Um, and how do you I don't know. know. How does he know this? Probably, like, a month or so, like three weeks to a month, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I I would say probably a month, a monthish has rolled by, but I don't have like a a streak tracker. That right. I, I'm just wondering how Tiger Jordan, who sends in a lot of good questions, I'm just wondering how he even knows that to begin with. One of my friends has a, a, this app that tracks like when he's fasting. You know, like he's trying to do more fasting. And like the, after you eat the meal, you start the clock. So I'm thinking like when you buy a card, you start the clock, and then you gotta like wait a certain amount of time before you buy the next. Yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe oh, I'll yeah. put it to you. <laughs> Ballmark cards says I've had longer streaks of not seeing my children. <laughs> <laughs> National is pretty long trip, you know. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so here's a question: What's the longest you could go without? Um, feeling like disconnected or off mm. as a collector that like, I, I think, I think it's probably about a month. I think usually when it gets to a month, I start fidgeting and buying something and just to buy it. Yeah. If there's like 
three weeks in a row of crossover where I don't have a mail day, I start feeling like, am I even worthy of being on this fucking show? Probably not. <laughs> I should step down and let Stiff True. take over. <laughs> True. Yeah, if if two that's that's a good litmus test or no, a good barometer for if I've been buying enough cards, it's like a few weeks roll by and my mail day game is weak or non existence, then I start feeling really bad about myself. If you would ask yourself, do you even collect bro? Then then you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, alright. <laughs> Khalil the Hokage says, please discuss people buying LeBron cards and expecting a bump in price when he surpasses Kareem. Well, it's not working because his index is, like, getting clobbered. So it's not, I don't, I'm not sure it's working. Um, we've talked about this a lot, like the event stuff. We've always noticed kind of anecdotally and through some data that the events usually give you, like, a really short burst leading up to it and then it usually kind of actually goes the other direction worse off than if the event had never happened uh i'm thinking like patrick mahomes super bowl i'm thinking the kobe bryant you know untimely passing um it usually like makes a flood of supply because everyone's thinking the same thing like oh i'll sell and then the supply just sort of like outpaces the slighter bump in demand you know yeah i think that's right and I think uh, it's one of those situations where just if you're a collector and you see this big milestone get reached or a Super Bowl won or set the all-time scoring record in NBA history and it makes you want to go get a card or get more cards of that player, it, it, it actually works out if you just follow your instincts because usually there are more people selling than ever at that time and it can end up working out in your favor. You might end up buying something at a – at a decent price, yeah. even though you know, it, even though it feels like you shouldn't. It feels like, oh, I should be more disciplined and not just go out and buy something right now, but sometimes it can work out. This one's not really sneaking up on us. <laughs> We've kind no. of known about it for like years now, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And remember like the whole Brady's last game, you know, where, where he threw the touchdown and he didn't retire. Like I just, I try to like stay clear of events yeah. and I'm, this isn't like related to that, but I just, the whole event thing doesn't really ever get me too excited either way. Yep. And a player's collectability is never dependent on one um, catalyzing event. It's always the totality. You know, it's, it's, it's always the sum result of lots of things over lots of time that, Builds up into a player being super collectible. Unless your name is Bol Bol, and then you just become famous over one summer league game. <laughs> over one play. Uh, <clears throat> Mad City Collector says, what has brought you the most joy in the hobby over the last six months? Six months. Hmm. Do you want my, like, evil Scrooge McDuck answer or oh, yeah. my, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Knowing that a bunch of people I didn't want in the hobby are leaving because <laughs> they'd be getting clobbered on prices. Uh, no, the nice one is probably like um, feeling like I can pick up some of the cards I, I've been wanting for the last couple of years. Like I just, they're kind of coming into my range. So that kind of excites me. All right. And I'll, I'll give two answers as well. Uh, evil Scrooge McDuck answer. <laughs> is seeing the value of digital collectibles and NFTs plummet. <laughs> and 
<laughs> That's the same as my answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then the best, the best part in the last six months was without a doubt getting the McCaffrey Black One of One rookie. I was riding high off of that for like a month after it happened. So that's, I mean, that's tough. To, that's tough to beat. Okay, go ahead, Christina. I just got one. Seeing collectors finally come out on top and, and saying fuck you to all of the people who are not for the good of the collector. Mm. Okay. That's a combo of the two. Scrooge McDuck and the positive. All <laughs> right, all right. Collectors certainly have forced their will onto content creators near and far. Uh, because as Josh predicted, all hobby content in 2023 is about uh, how wonderful collectors are. And not only that, but they're like blatantly talking about the shift from their previous content to now we should be discussing almost like it's almost like they're patting us on the head. Like, look, we're going to give you guys this bone this year. You collectors have really, you've stuck with it, and we just are so appreciative. So you guys get 2023 all to yourselves. Oh, thanks, man. And that pisses me off even more than content that's geared at, you know, treating cards as short-term pump and dump investments rocket ships to the moon and back that leave a giant wake of price decimation and pain in their, you know, afterwards like that. That's very annoying when people do that. And it, I think pretty clearly has done a lot of damage to our hobby, but not an insurmountable amount of damage. But you know, what's even more frustrating is that the people who are doing that, at least some of them who pivoted now, how to patting collectors on the head, as you said, it just so they didn't even they, they don't have any pride or belief in anything. They're just gonna say and cater and pander to whatever they think to in whichever direction they think the wind is blowing. And I would respect more if people just you know really had a belief in something and just sort of stood by it with some pride rather than just you know licking the finger and putting it in the air and just say, oh, okay, the wind is blowing this way now, so let me say things that sound like this, and then maybe later I'll be able to go back to this. Um, I mean, it's just what you're talking about, it just makes it so easy to figure out whether you actually give a shit about the cards and collecting or you're just in it for all the stuff around it. Um, I think you said something to me this week that stuck with me. You said... um, uh, the people who are kind of like jumping into this for the money, they look at us like we're aliens. Like, you're still here buying cards? I don't understand. Like, you know <laughs> that this shit's over, right? The party's over. We're all losing money. And you're you're just sort of looking at them like, I'm, I, I was buying cards before you did this, and I was doing it during the boom, and I'm still buying cards. It's like, I'm not the alien. Yep. Yeah, that is, that's, that is very funny, is sort of seeing people who, like, we're excited about the hobby during the bull run and then got very scared and backed off during the pullback. <laughs> just looking at all this, like you guys are still just buying and selling cards. Like you were uh, two years ago, a year ago. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know that without the money, it's just pictures of 
athletes on paper, right? And you're like, yeah, you realized that when you were buying and telling everyone you were going to get rich off of it at the time, right? You you, you know that too, right? right. <laughs> like you're yeah. the weirdo. <laughs> at least I'm doing it just for, I'm calling it what it is. Like I'm collecting cards. It's, you know, it's a little weird, but at least I'm not trying to convince people that it's going to make them millionaires overnight. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think there was almost an expectation that, hey, you know, we're going to run up this card market and then it's just going to go the way of Top Shot. You know, we'll have some huge months and then it's going to diminish to a fraction of a fraction of a percent. And it'll just be over. And, you know, the smart people will have dumped at the peak and the dummies will be left holding their bags. And that did happen with some cards, I think. But by and large, the industry as a whole uh, overcame that and just... You know, the, for most of us, we were just like, or I'll speak for myself, I was just like, wow, that was actually one of the worst periods to be a collector ever, because I ended up buying cards that I love that mean a lot to my collection for way more than they probably ever were truly worth during that mania, because we had, you know, it, part we are to blame as collectors for allowing it and permitting it, but there's enough blame to go around to, to, to those who just thought it would be fun or cute or profitable to run up markets in unsustainable fashions. So, you know, in that regard, it really sucked uh, collecting at different points in 2021-2022. Yeah, people that maybe don't listen to us every week may hear some of this and think um, that, that we are, like, rooting for the values to go down and we're rooting for investors to get out. You probably won't find people that are more bullish on this on this space, like as a investment or whatever, long term. Anyways, like we we're still here putting real money into this because we actually do believe in it long term. We just feel that there's like a a more organic way that we know is going to be more successful long term. So you know, don't get it twisted that we don't think that you're you can actually like do pretty well with your money. It's just that we don't. There's a phrase, there's some like phrase that I'm thinking of. I can't remember how it goes exactly. Some sort of quote maybe that we came up with, you know, about cards and investing. That kind of sums it up to me, you know. It's like it can still be an investment. It just has to be rooted in like your your actual joy of collecting. Right. Facts. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. It was a it was a very weird time to be bullish about cards in 2021 and definitely in 2022 because as much it was so difficult to say good things positive things about cards when we're looking at cards 10xing over the period of a few months and it's just like there's no way that this is going to be sustainable and it was just hard to be bullish about it and to and to feel good about <laughs> buying things when especially in retrospect um, there was no chance that that was going to sustain I, I think honestly it's easier to say positive things about the future of the hobby once it's corrected and I'm not sure it's done correcting either so well you mean this week this one week of correcting and going back up doesn't mean we're going up infinity forever after this. Uh, ah. Yeah, let's not. Ah. Let's just. I just can't wait to see us repeat the same mistake twice Ugh. and then thrice. How do you know? <laughs> remember that chart? That's that graph, the mania graph or whatever. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Yep. Where it was like we were 
like you and I were trying to figure out where we were on the graph and stuff like that. Yep. We should have known once it was like all these celebrities that don't that don't give two fucks about the hobby. That was kind of that, that was probably somewhere on the graph, you know, like celebrities getting involved, Euphoria, whatever they were. <laughs> so if we see right. some of these guys come back, you know, then it's like, all right, shoot, we're back to we're back to celebrities caring about cards again. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Okay. Uh, '90s b-ball cards. Jake. Jake. Not David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maybe they traded places today. <laughs> he says, "Is it too early to start making plans for the national?" Never. There's people that I know that will buy national like or hotel reservations like when they leave. You know, the year the the previous year they'll do it a year in advance. So I don't think so. Yeah, those are the bets. Those are the season bets, Christina. I've already begun. She's already begun. I'm almost halfway done. Nice. Did she book her hotel yet? Yep. Oh, oh yeah, I, I vaguely remember that. Yes. Yo. That's all I that I really you. care about is that. Yeah. Go ahead. I just know the hotel, like, really always, you remember last year, it makes me nervous. So, like, I just want the hotel booked. Everything else, I'll get there. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I, now, I'm on the other end of the spectrum from these two, whereas I'm not an advocate of planning at all. That's because someone else plans everything for <laughs> Must be nice. Maybe I have a, that small privilege yeah. of not having to plan anything and just show up and things go accordingly. But, uh, <laughs> I love how Christina would be like me. Christina, we have it all planned, and he's like, wow, that went really smooth. And we're like, yeah, no, shooting, shooting went smooth. You're welcome. I told you guys, don't, everything goes smooth. <laughs> uh, the two of us are like bags under eyes, we're not sleeping, and you're just like, man, I, I just feel so refreshed. This is great. That's what, I'm like surprised that Chris is the one who fell first at National, since mm. he was the, like, he was the most relaxed, well-rested <laughs> of the yeah. three of us. True. True. Like, Josh like had to talk me down multiple times. Like I was like super stressed and freaking out, mm. and then he would be stressed, and I'd have to be the calm one. It was very unsettling. Right. So yeah, we're all booked. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> we are. Thanks. Right. Thanks for that, by the way. Yeah. Liam <laughs> well, says I got a room with one king bed. Looking for five dudes to split the cost. <laughs> <laughs> You know, imagine all the memes that would come out of that bed if you had Lameem in there, Octane, <laughs> fresh out the pack, maybe. Your mom's a PSA, PSA too. And, and your mom's a PSA too. There's the five sum that this hobby needs in that king size bed. All right. Did did you hit, did you plant that question with Jake? No, I didn't actually. Did you plant that? <laughs> oh. yeah. That right. did feel like a plant. She's like. Ask it, ask it, Jake. <laughs> I mean, I don't have that power over Jake. Okay, he says so. Unless, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, uh, Vinny Slabberino says. Uh, always a big fan of the show. <laughs> yeah. What is the average amount of time that passes in between when the card arrives in the mail to your residence? versus when you open it. Oh, that's a good question. Is, is there any value in waiting to open it? 
I'm trying to teach myself a little bit of patience. Thanks, Vinny. Um, that's a good question. Because you'd think, like, this is silly. Wouldn't you just open it the second you get it? But no, there's a little bit of uh, intrigue if you hold it out. Is there? Um, I won't make any comparisons to other things in life you might want to apply this to, but I've been I do it because uh, like I've been doing the lives, so I don't want to go. I don't necessarily have the time to go live the second I get it, so I got to maybe like wait an hour or plan for that. But I I'd probably just rip it open immediately if it wasn't for that. Yeah, that's next level. If you're gonna turn it into a an experience and involve let other people get involved in it too, then that's worth waiting. Uh, otherwise, you know, in the previous question, I. Uh, spoke out against planning, and then in this question, I'll, spoke, I'll speak out against discipline. Uh, when, I, when I'm in the hobby, I'm primarily, you know, this is a release. You know, I, I, there's going to be very little discipline. I'm opening that package as soon as I, I, I might be opening that package on the way up in the elevator. And then I started having paranoid thoughts about how the concierge can see on the camera that I have cards and but sometimes you, sometimes that that package is getting open before I'm even back inside, and that's the most fun way to do it for me. You just just want to get your hands on that big one immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He likes to pull it out where cameras are. Is what I heard. <laughs> right. Now. Uh, All right. We're just gonna have an eggplant emoji as our title for the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we yeah. Just when I didn't think we could get any more crude. <laughs> With our titles, we we one up ourselves. Release the, release the tension. That could be a title. <laughs> Courtesy of Mohammed. All right. Andrew Kesey says, Noir speaker spotlights. They are not parallel to death, and they combine two insane fandoms. What do you think about them? And I think by two insane fandoms, he obviously means sneaker collectors and card collectors. So I'll give you an example of what one of these looks like. This is from 2018, Noir Sneaker Spotlights. This is the Kobe from that set. They're popular, right? I think so. so I, I've never gone out of my way to get one, but what do you, what do you think about them? I know people like these cards. Um, I've seen people talk about like the Luca one. I don't know if that... Yeah shoe that he has in his is like since he didn't wasn't didn't have the jordan shoes yet but yeah that one right there i know that's a popular card yeah this was his from his rookie year uh from 2018-19 with his i think it's hideous i think it's i think it's neat because the shoes are like the only place that the players have to really you know like break from the uniform and and kind of wear whatever they want so it's kind of neat to have the Kind of the player style mixed with the card style. It's kind of neat. Yeah, plus Luca apparently wore bowling shoes to this game. <laughs> kind of cool as well. So here's a Zion. That's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, I like the Kobe one. That was neat. He had a sweet auto in that too. Yeah, the Kobe. One. I'm just going through card letter sales history to find these. Here's the Cade Cunningham from his rookie year, I presume. Are they supposed to be like the player's signature shoe, or is it that there's so many players they kind of have to just take a picture of whatever they're wearing? I have no idea. 
Absolutely. Definitely one of the more conceptual sets. Steph Curry. Yeah. I'll see, like, for that, that's a good example because that's, like, his own shoe, you know? Like, that's – I would kind of think of it that way. But if it's, like, a player that – like, P.J. Tucker, you know, he, like, collects shoes. So if he's wearing, like, some cool, unique shoes for a specific game, it would be cool to have him in the set. Yeah. All right. There you go, Andrew. Cool set. All right, Matty Ice 729 says, how do you use gem rates to make informed decisions on cards from the last few years? From the last few years. I mean, we probably use it more for, like, the totals than we do the gem rate, right? Like, we're, we're more so looking at how many total are graded, yeah. you know, the adding them all up kind of thing yeah. versus – the, the gem rate, you know, it could be 10% gem rate, but there could be 50,000 of that card. Makes it much less interesting than if it's 10% gem rate and there's 10, and there's only one, you know, 10. But I think it matters, right? Do you Have you ever really looked at gem rate? I find it interesting. Um, <laughs> this is where I make a very snobbish comment, and I say, but I don't really collect cards that uh, the gem rate matters on. <laughs> <laughs> the grade doesn't matter on the stuff I like. Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, this is such a douchebag point of view, but it, it's accurate. So oh, I find it interesting. I like to look at how often the prison base cards gem. I always find that to be interesting. In the last few years, it's like you're basically talking like, you know, forty to sixty percent gem rates on a lot. Versus vintage, where it's like 1% to 10% gem rates. It's just so different. That's why that last bit of the question, it's almost like if it's less than 40%, it's like printing issues, you know? You're basically using the gem rate to determine if the set has print issues. Yeah. Maddie, I clarified in the chat. Did you see that? Mm. He meant how, how can these modern cards hold value with the 75% gem rate mm. or higher? Oh, that's a good thought. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. Yeah, it's like, why would you give a 2x multiplier if the gem rate is so effing high? Or why would you why would you spend, you know, 3x on a PSA 10 versus a raw when you're, you know, it's like a 75% chance you're going to get a 10 anyways? Yeah, and if when gem rates are that high, and we don't know how many copies are in the wild, those population reports are going to grow over time. Yeah. And it might be hard, you know, to see that happen because it happens slowly. Like, uh, I wonder, I'll, let's, take, let's take a look at the Luca Prison Base PSA 10, which has a pop of 19,000. And we've been tracking its population growth since April 29th, 2021. All right, so in, in April of 2021, there was 16,000, and then today, over 19,000. So uh, in April 2021 would have been um, two and a half to three years after release, okay? And in, in that period after release, the, the PSA 10 population grew by almost 3,000. The gem rate across all companies on that card, 
is uh, 52%, and with PSA, it's 54%. So. 52, 54. Interesting. Yes. I haven't thought about that card in so long. <laughs> yeah, I know. I still have yeah. dreams, like nightmares, of me adding that card to card bottom. <laughs> we used to, like, that was, like, one of our first few cards we added, I'm sure. Yeah. It took me three days. Yeah, that was, those were the good old days. But there's more of the Zion, isn't there, or no? There may be. So the last time, so this card is about $400. The last time it was $400 before now was in uh, March of 2020. Oh, Literally so the, month, the month that COVID descended on us. 2019, right? That's the year you want to be looking at. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, Zion has 22,306 yeah. times. <laughs> I'm glad to know that feature works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that feature definitely works. That's a great feature. There's nowhere else you can go to get that information. That's crazy. Right. Uh, we put it off for long enough. Drake's PC. <laughs> Drake's PC had one question and one question only for this week. Because he was busy. He was at the Dallas Card Show. Ah, there you he go. Says, yep, we, we still appreciate him taking the time. He says, first, I hate that I missed Chris and Christina at the Dallas Card Show. It was packed. My question, how do you respond when you collect a player and people send you cards that they think you might be interested in, but you are not actually interested in? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you just say thank you, or do you give them feedback mm. of... You know, what type of card you might be looking for. How do you respond? Um, I always like their comment and then say thank you, something like that. I, I usually don't say, like, thanks, but I fucking hate this card, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's totally the way to roll. And uh, But I can admit that, like, when people do send me a card, especially if it's a card that, like, theoretically I, sh I should like and I should buy, right, right. and I just feel pressure to buy it. <laughs> what? Yeah, I feel pressured. I feel pressured. I feel like, damn, like you got me. Like this is something that I should buy. You know, this is this is exactly the type of card that I should buy. But if I don't want to buy it or I don't have the money to buy it, I just feel like I'm letting them down or that, you know, they wasted, yeah. they wasted their Wait, time. Is this, is this like, there, okay, there's... I need to be clear here. If someone's sending me a link that, that they found that someone else is selling, I'll say, I'll like it and say, thank you. If they're actually asking if I want to buy it, then I have to give a more, more direct response to tell them no. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, like I'm as guilty of being on the other side as anybody else. So like I'll send, like if I see an Instagram story of a card that makes me think about somebody, I'll send it to them. Mm. And, and then, you know, and then, you know, sometimes they'll write back and, like, they'll explain to me why they're not going to buy the card. You can't do that. <laughs> and, and, like, when they write back to me, they're like, yeah, like, thank you for sending this, but this is why I'm not going to get it. Or, like, or, you know, the other one, the other thing that's awkward about that interaction can be, when people are like, send you something 
something that you already found yourself. And then, and then like, oh, thanks, bro. But I already found that. Like, don't don't get too excited. Especially the eBay links. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that, you know, <laughs> I had never would have found that on my own <laughs> without your help. <laughs> right. no, 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 no. Do not hate on people giving you a heads up. No, 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 They're no. the ones first. Yeah. No, the reason, here's. That's yeah. how I've claimed a lot of maxi cards. <laughs> Yeah, the reason you you always want to be polite is you want to encourage that person to want to do that in the future for, and then it might actually help you. You know, it might actually be worth it. You don't want to discourage that for that very reason. Yeah, exactly. All right. You did it to me. You power moved me. I sent you some. I send you stuff all the time, and I'm oh. like, if I'm, I'm, it's usually like if I'm seventy five percent sure, then I'll yeah. do it. If that, if under, I won't send it to you. I was pretty sure you needed it, and you were like, "Don't need that one, dummy." Oh, I already have. Yeah, no, but well, but, yeah, but okay. So you sent me a Trey Young Luck of the Lottery. Yes, yes, ball. yes. Thank and you. I was like, "Dude, you already bought one of those for oh. me." <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a PSA nine, and I know you're going for the nine fives, but I'm like, maybe if he doesn't have this one he's getting desperate he needs to finish it out yeah. by the nine that's what i was like 75 percent. and then you're like you literally bought me one of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was really funny all right uh 302 sports card says i have five neon green disco maxis that are in my vault forever Ooh. this is why we can't moderate christina because she would block you oh that's hilarious cards and cards and cardio asks do you have any finance or investment related podcasts or books that you find or have found valuable i believe josh is a fellow all-in podcast listener and i'm always up for further education on the subject who asked this uh, uh cards and cardio mm. the other one that was referred to me by cardi c Chris mm -hmm. and I chat about this stuff regularly uh, is choose Fi. That's the other one that I listen to now. It's choose FI. It's uh, which stands for financial independence. That's a cool pod. It's very, um, it's definitely like our kind of style. He's very methodical, slow, and he's not screaming at you about investing in the next stock. It's, it's kind of about taking your time and uh, like slow investing stuff. It's a cool pod. Nice. Okay, so choose by also uh, Ryan from Jamrate replied and said, "Invest like the best is excellent. Mm. Covers many interesting and diverse topics." Lamim James recommends Vegas Dave's podcast. I think that's probably a good recommendation as well. I've only ever read one book on finance, and I and I liked it a lot. It, but I don't have a good comparison, but it's this book. It's The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. It's, it was really a provocative book, well-written book by a smart guy. you send screenshots of that one on Instagram for when you were reading? Yes, I did. That's how good I thought it was. People bought that book because of you. Yeah, I know. I'm did still getting royalty. Did you put on your Amazon affiliate link? <laughs> I should have. Jesus Christ. I wanted to add, though, the all-in guys are getting a little cocky lately. They're just like, especially Chamath. That guy just like brags on himself nonstop on that show. And I'm just like, ugh. So I'm, <laughs> I like the all-in pod. It's good. 
it's very informative, but those guys need to, like, chill. Yeah. I also, uh, it's, it's academic, it's not practical, but I like Econ Talk. The podcast called Econ Talk is really good. Yeah, we've been listening to that for years. For years, yeah. If he puts that on, I fall asleep. I've been listening to that podcast for over 10 years. Oh, it's like the Frasier of finance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good... <laughs> Dude, you, you've, you've started a, a chat revolution against this guy. Chamath. Chamath? <laughs> yeah, Chamath. Dude, he's just like really douchey. He's just like always fucking bragging about himself. It's getting... It's like, do you hear yourself, man? Like, you're on this podcast, like, there's this one guy that I really like in the pod. He's he's like the scientist of the group, and he was talking about like, like new solutions for um, energy, like instead of solar. And Shamath is like, oh, excuse me, like solar's the future. You don't know. He's just like shitting on him nonstop. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It was so weird. Yo, that guy sounds awesome. I'm not gonna lie. No, he's not. He's kind of a douchebag. I think if the chat. That's going crazy. I'm glad to know that I'm not alone. Yeah, that is with you, for sure. Oh, and Mohammed chimes in with Econ D's nuts. So, <laughs> nice. What did you say? No. Oh, yeah. Can't repeat it on the show. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, Stiff Arm Wax chimes in. The, the Frasier of Finance is a contender for episode type. We've, oh, got, oh. <laughs> we've got four now. I love how he's just like ready to go with all these captions. This is good. We need someone on top of that. I know we do. That's his wheelhouse. All right. Uh, AP Cards 23 has two questions one for me, one for Josh. None for Christina. Okay. <laughs> nice. I, that was quick. Okay. Oh, that window was rolling up and she threw that, that, she threw that last grenade out. <laughs> all right. All right. One, Chris, winding back the clock, can you walk us through the evolution of your Jordan collecting that saw you selling all your inserts to go for parallels instead? Will inserts ever be a big focus again in the future for you? And then two, Josh, if you had never collected LeBron, tried to suppress the heartache, but you had an irresistible desire to start collecting him now, can you walk us through what your research process would look like at a high level for a player where their best cards are too expensive but you still really want to have some type of LeBron collection. So I'll let you think about yours, and I'll shoot off my answer real quick. The only reason I sold my answer was because I didn't have enough money otherwise to get the parallels that I wanted. And so like, I built up a sweet collection of inserts, and then I decided that I wanted to try and go for a PMG Red, and I sold a ton of them, and then I ended up selling the rest to be able to afford the Golden Boss Refractor and the 98 Rubies and stuff like that. This is like four or five years ago now. Uh, but I'd love to have all the inserts too. It's just could, couldn't have them all. And then will inserts ever be a big focus again for me? Can't call it, man. Maybe. I don't know. I'll, I'll just be honest. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll get the insert bug again. I don't know. I've, I've still got too many parallels I need to get though. So... Okay, Josh, go ahead, man. What's what's your answer to your question about if you never collected LeBron, how would you start today? Oh, it's it's focused on restarting LeBron. Yeah. Um, 
well, I would just like start from the beginning, start researching all the rookie cards and kind of work my way up. Um, and then just start figuring out like all the different sets that, that he's in, all the different parallels, all the different serial numbers, pop reports, start pulling it all in. I mean, selfishly, I'd probably start with card ladder and just start searching his name, figuring out the index, when's a good time to buy relative to previous times, and potentially if I think it's going to go up or down further based on past valuations. Um, and then I start, like, I start mapping out which cards I thought looked the coolest. That's usually where I start is, like, which ones kind of catch my eye visually, and then where can I find similarities in that across the era is it like an era thing that makes them cool looking is it the set is it the manufacturer is it the you know the team he played for at the time like would i focus on heat cards potentially or calves like there's a lot raid bob m tracks or you just in the bob m tracks house it would be a you know it'd be a pretty decent time to start now there's a few people that have shown interest in this question, and I'm I'm guessing it's kind of the same reason as like his stuff's prices have come down a lot, mm-hmm. and so they're thinking like maybe now's a decent chance to buy. So I get it. I think it's a good it's a good thought, uh, you know, because I'm trying to buy more right now as well. Yeah, for sure. I I started thinking when you were mentioning you would go to Card Letter and start t- just you would type in his name, you look at his cards, check out his index trajectory. You know what I would do if I was looking up a player? I would – this is just me being dumb. But I, I would go – I would first go to sales history, and I would just see what their most expensive two or three cards have. I would just yeah. – I, I would start there. And That's then, a good – I mean, it's interesting because then you can kind of see what other people think is yes. valuable for that player. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's what I want to start learning right off the bat is, like, what are the best cards? And that's one proxy to get at that. You go to eBay and just sort by highest price just to see. It's kind of the same thought. Yep, I'll do that sometimes, yeah. Yeah, but these days, it's not like it's that different than it ever was. But these days, especially, you do that, and you just see, like, stupidly priced (laughs) cards. You know, you have to scroll for, like, 30 seconds before you start getting the stuff. I have an incredible feature idea for eBay. So steal this from me if you want, because I want this to be a feature. When I sort by highest price and I filter by auction, I just get like a bunch of fucking dummies who do starting bid price of like a million and it always has zero bids and it's just always getting relisted. I wish I could have a way to sort by highest auction price with at least one bid. Okay. Because then it's like this card has actually been bid to this value and it's not just fucking sitting there. Yeah. That's, That's a nice feature idea there. There you go, eBay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, JC2Collects says, should numbered cards proportionally vary in value? So what he means by that is, should a card that's numbered to five be worth 20 times as much as a card that's numbered to 99? Should a one of one be worth five times as much as a card that's out of five? What do you think about that? Nope. That would be nice. Here's an example. This one is out of 39, right. and it's worth more than the one out of <laughs> – or sorry, this one's out of 29. It's worth more than the one out of 19, and I believe nine, because it's gold. So, like, first of all, the first piece that makes that not true is visually the higher number might be better than the lower number. Yep. And then, secondly, 
hobby is generally pretty exponential, not only with like players, but also I feel like with this, like people will sometimes pay if it's a one one versus out of a hundred, they might pay more than a hundred X for the one one because there's only one. So it's like if everyone wants the one, you know, a hundred times more than they want the hundred. Yeah. It's just not going to ever follow any real patterns to be honest. Yep. That's right. All right. Uh, Tiger Jordan 311 says, how many cards are typically in your eBay watch list? Hmm. Not that many. You probably have a lot more than I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I definitely had tons when eBay was like the main hub. But now, cool. you know, everything's so fractured <laughs> that like my eBay watch list is smaller than it used to be. I don't know. Ooh. I'd say there's at least 100 active listings in my watch dude i remember i used to have to like delete cards out of my watch list when they ended and stuff i haven't had to do that in a while same i haven't had to do that in a while either i don't know if that's because i'm not watching as much or because they upped the limit could be one or the other but like I, i'll watch stuff that i really have no intention of buying you know i'll just i'll watch stuff just because like it's interesting somehow interesting yeah and like when one your cards hits eBay auction, which is rare, but you just kind of want to see where it sells. Absolutely. You know, that makes me wonder, like, was it, man, it was, it was pretty nice when eBay was like the one hub and like now, you know, if, you know, you've got Facebook and 8 million groups on Facebook where cards are being sold. You've got Instagram story sales. You've got Twitter, like post sales. You've got my slabs. You've got fixed price marketplaces, you know, you've got auction houses that have monthly or quarterly blowout auctions with huge cards in them. It's just, it's all over. It's just all over. And wasn't it nice when it was all just on eBay? I thought it was. It's scary to, to think, like, scary is not the right word, but, like, you know, because it's a hobby, but that you would miss a card you need or that you really, really want for your collection because you didn't know it was up on some site that you happened to not check that week. It's like, therefore, you have to check all these goddamn sites. You have to pull your queries and check your card ladder shop, save searches, and it's like, uh, I don't want to miss anything. How many accounts, how many different user accounts do you need these days to feel, to feel like you're adequately covered? Is it 20? 10? Is it 15? Yeah, 20. A lot, dude. A lot. And, like, there's, like, actual privacy worries that multiply the more different accounts that you have. Yeah. How many fucking people need my bank wire information? Right. Exactly. <sighs> All right. So, anyway, Josh and I are starting a marketplace. <laughs> dude. Remember when it was cool to start a grading company? We were we should have made <laughs> we should have made a grading company. We should have made a marketplace. Right. Damn. Too late. All right. Uh, Golden's launching their weekly auctions and fixed marketplace this week. Yes. Add another one. All right. <laughs> uh, Seven forty Smith card says, if you did not count your top ten cards in your PC. So if you didn't have your top 10 cards. Uh, I would, would jump you, off the ledge at your building. <laughs> would you still like or enjoy your collection? You. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm 
such a materialistic girl in a materialistic world. You are. You are. Uh, a lot less. Yeah. Yeah, of course. That's like going to an NBA team and saying, if I take off the top the 10 best players on your team. Oh, yeah. So the Suns. You're talking about the Suns. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 How does it look? It doesn't. It's not as pretty. Yeah, they were missing Aiton, Campaign, Cam Johnson, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Landry Shamit, and there was one other guy, uh, Jay Crowder. It was like, holy fuck, their top eight players are all out. <laughs> Mikhail Bridges is like, you guys gonna help me or what? And they still spoiled Steph Curry's return. They they've lost like twelve of their last fourteen or something. Yeah. They got that one, though. They got the Warriors game. All right. Uh, Timmy D 21 pc asks, if you were a pro athlete getting paid $10 million per year, would you super collect yourself? Jeez, you must be a pretty crappy athlete. Aren't these guys making, like, $50 million a year now? Well, I mean, if you're hockey, that's a lot of money to year. Is it? Okay, I didn't know that. But, like, doesn't – like, who makes – Ten million on the maps. Uh, ten million is a step above Javale McGee, but a step below Dorian Finney-Smith. Pretty sure Bertans makes like twenty million. Oh God, he's his contract is really bad. Does Maxi make eleven? Maxi Kleber makes eleven. I think Dwight Powell makes eleven as well. I think that's kind of the point of the question, right? If you're if you're making if you're at that level, you would you would super oh, collect yourself, right? Like because you're not. So if you kind of suck by the professional standards. No. No. No, I mean, like, no, I you're not, there's not, like, people super collecting like a Jordan. Yeah. If I'm Maxi Kleba, I'm not, like, I'm not collecting myself. Fair. Yeah. That's the point of the question. It's like, are you super collecting given that your own values aren't necessarily meant for, like, investing? Yeah. It's a good, Okay. I'm glad we dug into the question a little bit because that makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, but, I, you know, it's a little bit weird collecting your own cards anyways. <laughs> Even if you're, like, the GOAT, you know? Like, I collect other people. Yeah, I would collect the GOAT. Yeah, collect retired all-time greats or uh, your teammates that are awesome or something, you know? Mm -hmm. I'll go the other way. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Even if, even if you're Dwight Powell? I mean, it's not get crazy. <laughs> just well, think about it. Like, you would be collecting it for, like, your kids, probably. Like, because you're not, like, who, who are you going to sell those cards to? Christina? Like, Maxi Klebo? Yeah, no, that makes so, sense. Collecting for your kids. So, like, for your kids, like... I'm, okay, maybe I never got, like, MVP trophy or was an all-star, but here are, like, the coolest cards I was ever on. Mm. That makes sense. It would be weird explaining it to your friends. You're like, check out my collection, and you're they're like, it's all you? <laughs> yep. Dude, just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, just because even if you're a tremendous success, great athlete in your sport, like, you, you can collect – uh, stuff of people who are great in other regards. You know, you could collect stuff of great musicians or yeah. you know, great football players if you're in basketball. Because like, even if you're this great superstar, you're still just a fucking normal person who who's, who has a decent chance of liking collecting things. 
And if that's true, then you're going to be just like us. You know, you're not going to, you're going to want to like collect, you're going to want to be able to obsess over something a little bit. And like, it's just going to be weird if it's you. Ovechkin keeps all of his like game sticks and stuff like that. And he collects sticks from opponents and has them Mm. sign it. But let's, but let's say that's a little different. Like, like keeping relics of memories that you participated in is different from collecting stuff that's made to commemorate you as a human being. I think that's. I think those are two. Oh, different. I think you just determined the difference between collecting cards and memorabilia, and why we get so fucking annoyed when they get clumped together. Mm. Nice. I mean, we could go on about that for an hour. So. Yeah. <laughs> I know what Chamath would say to this question. What's that? I know what Chamath would answer this question. He'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna collect my own cards. Hell yeah! I mean, fuck, I make my own cards he, myself." He would. He, uh, this question would come up, and he would just be like. And I'm an Allen and Ginter this year already. <laughs> <laughs> Was that a subtle shot at Gary B? No. No. Guys, look, I mean, Gary B, I went to his page the other day. It's just lots of posts about empathy and... <laughs> collecting? <laughs> collecting, yeah. So, I mean, I got to lean into that. Okay. Cool question from Timmy D. All right. Processed through cards uh, with our second feature request of the night. Nice. Do you nice. do you have any plans for PSA graded cards to automatically load into your card ladder collection the moment that they are graded? That would be cool. Wouldn't that disrupt your grade reveals, though? Well, what do you put for the price field? Or it could just be left blank. No, I'm saying, like... Like, price-paid field. Like, yeah, I'm not even talking about that, though. I'm just talking about, like, when you... Like, does everyone look at their grades as soon as they're graded? Like, as soon as that email comes through? Mm -hmm. Or do you wait and do, like, a grade reveal? Uh, I wait wait to have the cards in hand, usually. Yeah, so, like, if you didn't, but, like, you, like, were automatically loaded in so that we're, you're, you're envisioning like a clockwork work orange world where we're like crying their eyes up well you must see the grades of your psa graded card i mean you could probably turn it off no well it says automatically in all caps so. i i put it in all caps to help you emphasize the right part oh of the okay okay i thought that was how he wrote it and i was like that's pretty let's ask the person who actually builds it what they think no this is great you guys figure it out i don't have to do anything uh well we do have a way to punch in the cert um but the, that's why you probably capitalize automatically because we let you do it manually right now we'd have to connect your card ladder account to your psa so we know who you are right that would be step one and then we'd have to like get an event sent to us from psa when it gets finalized and it have to like know your orders and stuff i mean it's a few hurdles but it's possible okay oh all right Something to think about there. Um, Phantomas for cards asks, why are vertical patch cards more expensive than horizontal patch cards? Mm. That's a good question. Um, this is kind of a lame answer, but I kind of feel like because it started that way with O3 Exquisite, is that lame? Yeah. Uh, no. What? 
few things matter more than firsts and history, especially in collectibles. Plus, like, cards are generally vertical more often than they're horizontal, and I don't know. But, I mean, the, it is interesting that, like, like, for RPAs especially, it does seem to be way more important that it's vertical. Whereas, like, my, one of my favorite gold refractors is horizontal like doesn't matter as, as much with the parallels so that's why i'm kind of struggling to think of a good answer yeah uh well grading outside of the hga horizontal slab makes it more desirable to have vertical just so that the card presents well when it's in a slab mm. i think that matters and something about the uh something about the fact that a human being is taller than they are wide makes presenting pictures of, well, for most human beings, makes presenting pictures of them better long ways rather than sideways. But there are, are some good sideways cards, like the Mahomes. There's a, there's a few cards of, of Mahomes and of Lamar Jackson doing the, like, the horizontal throw. Mm. Uh, um, I can't believe I'm going to do this. But for the community, we make sacrifices. Boo. There is, here it is. Here. All right, we're going to show a Kaboom card. Oh, no. What did I do? Oh. Yeah. Freaking Instagram oh, yeah. was like, yeah. here you show a Kaboom card. <laughs> so it's almost like if the concept of the design of the card is better to have it horizontal. It kind of breaks the rule. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Like the like the LeBron chalk toss. It just like it would look weird if that was vertical. Right. Exactly. Because there his wingspan is yes. emphasized. <laughs> yeah. I have an OCD problem with horizontal cards in that Grading companies do not often follow their own standard of which way to put them in the slab. So it really annoys me. There you go. See, that's a, this is where I like this. It's got to make sense. Like, you should basically default to vertical unless you've got a good reason, to, like a really good reason to make it horizontal. How about that? Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Damn, look at that. We just saw And But the, here's... Here's the funny part about this. Um, like, if you're describing to someone not in the hobby why the vertical 99 RPA Luca is worth 50 times more than the horizontal out of 49, how do you explain that? You know, it's like, because I said so. And they're like, why? This one's rarer. You guys told me rarity was better. It's got a patch. It's got an autograph. It's the same concept, same product. Why is this one a hundredth of the price? Or, uh, you know, that's a, that's complicated. It is complicated, and there there have been some great vertical, I mean horizontal cards. You know, this is one of the hobby's most important cards right now. True, and it's horizontal. So, but he doesn't have a vertical no, one. He, no, I'm talking about. I know, I, I, know. I know. I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not contradicting what you said. I agree completely with what you said. Show the two Lucas. You know what I'm talking about? Isn't the one like way less valuable? Super duper less valuable. Yeah, you have the forty nine. Which is, um, you know, it's it's also not the true. Good luck explaining that. 
<laughs> that's, part of it. that's what you have to tell that's what you have to explain to the person well that's not the true one they're like what the fuck what do you mean yeah exactly so this is the ntrpa horizontal out of 49 and yeah it's worth um probably like okay so th this is this has a card letter value of about 20 grand right now once <laughs> once sold for 60. <laughs> now it's down to 19 or 20. And, uh, or maybe it's more, I don't know. B a BGS nine is a really tough grade for these, but if you compare it to the true out of 99 BGS nine, it's worth about 90 today. It's like five. So, yeah. And it's, it's half as rare and it's five X the price. So 10 X. Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's... Are you saying that there's a chance for us to, pitch that other one is undervalued and scoop him up <laughs> i would be lying if i said it didn't cross my mind <laughs> looking at that luca 49 once or twice i mean it's kind of cool yeah yeah it is uh all right thank that question phantomas phantomas i don't know hot sauce sports cards says <laughs> national treasures or flawless what will collectors view as the true GOAT product from the Panini era? Isn't it National Treasures by a mile? Or no? <laughs> yeah, yes it is. But I'm going to opt out, and I'm going to say Prism, man. Prism. Prism, Prism, Prism. You know, we only ever opened National Treasures once. Mm -hmm. and that was because it was, like... It was honestly stupid, but it, it, at least this was uh, four or five years ago when you know we, we got a whole case for like $3,700, four, four boxes, $4,400. You can tell who paid for it by who remembers the price exactly. Uh, <laughs> whereas, you know, Prism, we were opening those hobby boxes for 200 bucks, 200 to 250 bucks. Like, we've opened Prism every year. You know, Pr Prism has forged nostalgia for me that NT never could because it's too damn expensive for a peon like me to buy that's I have why a prism i have a fun thought experiment what if nt did not have the true rpa out of 99 they had everything else everything else was the same but they just didn't have the rpa out of 99 was the answer the same then it would be flawless <laughs> So it's like it's almost like we're choosing NT because of that one card. Yeah, and I would make the case that NT is more meaningful because it comes out first. It actually comes out during the player's rookie year. It consistently has the RC logo on it year after year, and it's intended to be the flagship RPA product. Right. Those things. like Penny would Penny would tell you NT is what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I understand the argument about the game used and everything, even though that doesn't apply to football, but it does apply to basketball. But I'll, I, I, but riddle me this, game users. Uh, why? <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like drug. <laughs> <laughs> why, when Beckett started putting game used patches in their slabs, did it have no impact on the value of those slabs? Tell me why that is. 
Why is it that Beckett took a card? It's almost a perfect controlled experiment. You can have a Beckett slab of a card with no game use patch, or you can have a Beckett slab with a custom game use patch embedded in the slab, and there is virtually no discernible market difference between the two. In fact, I think most people prefer without the game use patch attached to the card. And why? I'll help you. Why is the LeBron RPA out of 99, which is not game used, worth a fuck ton more than the limited logos, which is game used? Why is that? That's an even better example. Oh, how can I find a quick example of one of these old Beckett slabs? We're so weird. I don't. I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen one in so long. It's like, what is this? Right. Yes. Sounds like an option. You could pay extra to put it in the in this lab or something. I don't even remember how that came to be. To be honest with you, it's a good. I I don't know. I don't know. All right. Thank you for that question, Bill. Although I don't think it's the answer that you wanted. Mike Pinkerton fifty. <laughs> Yo, Mike's always coming with a question, like, slightly of this variety. He says, is there a price at which you would sell all of your cards? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that question, and it's like, who asked this? Um, oh. I mean, if someone offered me a billion dollars. Right. There's definitely a price. I'd probably, I'd probably be like, you know what? You're crazy, but sure. <laughs> Yeah, right. I could use a yacht. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd take half that money and go buy a bunch of other cards. Yeah. Are we, exactly. are we not allowed to do that? No, I, that's that's exactly right. You know, it would have to be a gross overpay, but there's obviously a price. Uh, but uh, yeah, it just have to be a gross overpay. I think that's about that's about. I guess like maybe one of the more sincere ways to read into this question is like what if the market 10x is again mm -hmm. and then like like the true market is like if you sold all your cards at market value if you wanted to replenish your collection to an equivalent level you're gonna have to spend all that money yeah like you're not getting an advantage right so <sighs> and at that point i don't know i don't i don't it, it would only be if i wanted to stop collecting that would have to be the circumstance then. So, so the price would actually be like, I don't know how to say this, not a horrible way, but like the worst person in the hobby taking over the hobby and you being like, and I'm out. Uh, like, the price is something so terrible would have to happen to make collecting yeah. no longer fun. Right, okay. But even if it was, like, a ton of money, like, let's just say someone's like, I'll give you $10 million. Even even that, I'd be like, what am I going to do with $10 million? Buy a different house? Like, I don't even know what I'd do with this money. <laughs> just buy more cards. <laughs> if, if, let's just say I couldn't buy cards. Like, well, I don't even, okay, great. If I'm leaving the hobby, right, on this topic? Yeah. Okay, great, I've got $10 million bucks, and now... Oh, I mean, isn't this the most easiest? You'd go invest in crypto dick butts. Oh. Yeah, see, you're proving my point. You're just, we can't even, we can't give a serious answer. <laughs> like, uh, I buy a fucking... A shit beast. 
So uh, that's like, who cares? <laughs> You're right. I'd buy a zombie bunker. A zombie bunker. Is that an NFT? I think so. <laughs> the fact that we don't know. It comes out, that's Christina's new NFT. It's going to have a lot of utility, though, that one, because it's <laughs> literally going to save your life. All right. All right. Okay. 41K gold. Oh. Right, 41K Gold says, drop some random human behavior insights on us regarding the psychology of collecting. Well, first of all, pal, this is what we do all show. So let's- I think he wants you on this one. He wants the Chris special. Well, I struggled with this one, Josh. So I just went to to Shirley Mueller's website. She wrote the psychology of collecting. And here, I'll just drop like two or three little gems from her. Dr. Shirley Mueller says collecting is intellectual stimulation. It's social bonding. It's organization. She says it's an ancient human impulse that often begins in childhood, and it delivers straight dopamine. People collect for one reason, and that's because it makes them feel good. And when we're anticipating getting a desired object, the pleasure centers of our brain light up. That's right. She's a neuroscientist who has studied this. And they light up even more sometimes than when we have the object in our hands, which is something we all intuitively know as collectors. Yeah. And she says collectors get to do that over and over again. Collecting is a social network. It instantly gives you something to talk about. And once you dive into searching for more pieces, you'll, collect, you'll connect with other collectors. The sense of friendship and social bonding is one of the main things people value about collecting. So there's a few pearls of wisdom from Dr. Mueller collector of ancient porcelain did you say pleasure center pleasure center is that what you said that you said pleasure something yeah pleasure center yeah yeah the ple- the eggplant this is the eggplant week <laughs> the pleasure center of the brain yeah pleasure center big ones we got eggplant all over this episode <laughs> Okay, uh, the goat cards. <laughs> I don't know where the hell, I think Lameem actually caused this con- this question. He says, how bad will the card market get if BGS goes out of business? <laughs> oh. like, why are we asking this? Where, where is this coming from? And by the way, here's why I blame this on Lameem, all right? Lameem did an interview, and he took one of the juiciest quotes from his interview from Kunal. He said, subgrades matter. <laughs> so why are you sending cards over to inferior grading companies? <laughs> so he was firing. Kunal was firing shots in a sit-down exclusive with Lameem, and now we got people thinking all types of crazy stuff. Can we just... For anyone who is not, like... <laughs> For the Christinas out there? Yes. Anyone who's gullible enough to, like, actually believe this, Lameen did not sit down with this, like, with Kamar. Like, it did not happen, guys. Like It is a meme. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure Lameen... Free, yeah. free marketing tip for Beckett. That would actually help them if, <laughs> like, if he did sit down with Lameen. That was one of Beckett's best pieces of content ever. All right. <laughs> so, uh, I, is this hobby sturdy enough that it could that no one company faltering would uh, would would 
harm the card market by itself or what or, you know well harm it or destroy it is different um there would definitely be a lot of harm if Beckett left because there's just so many big time cards in Beckett and those cards that wouldn't necessarily just like evaporate. Right? right. But it would, it would, I would assume it would, you know, decrease the value on something like that. If the company behind it is no longer there. Fair. Fair. Yeah, that's right. But I think it would, <laughs> it'd be pretty seamless. Like I think most people would just immediately start crossing them. So, well, I think this is the part of the show where we tell everyone BGS 9.5s are undervalued relative to PSA 10s. <laughs> of course. That's where this was really going. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think that the ratio is off and that I should be buying them? <laughs> Yeah, we haven't gotten one of those ratio questions in a while. I feel like they're coming back. You know, we're, I, I made the 2019 discussion topic earlier. I feel like we're, we're getting there more than just prices like we might be getting there in topics <laughs> <laughs> yeah true. true what inning are we in oh man i haven't heard that metaphor invoked in some time now bullshit it's in the chat every week <laughs> yeah but not sincere <laughs> <laughs> not sincere <laughs> i feel like we gave that question like a real run of Let's try to answer it the first like three times we got it of like what inning are we in? And then it's like, guys, just... Well, do you remember Josh Luber had a very complicated answer to it? He broke it into like three parts. He was like, the cards themselves are in in between the third and the fourth. The people are in the seventh and the businesses are in the third. It just it was always like it was always answered by people that join the hobby like a month before that. It's like, yeah, it's the second inning for you because you just <laughs> fucking started. Well, that's like a huge if, – if there ever was a harbinger that the hobby's overheated, it would be that people are worried about what inning we're in. <laughs> it's like, well, a card started in the 1800s and we're in 2022 yes. and the world's going to end and whatever. It's like, ah, fourth, fifth. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, exactly. Or like when people are worried, like, like reassure me that we're only in the second inning. That's because card prices just went from the first to the ninth inning. That's, that's why people want to be reassured that it's really the second inning. I love how it's always second, though, and not first, because it's like, come on, let's be realistic. It's not the first. We've, we've moved a little bit. Like, come on. You got you to gotta have some cred. You can't just, like, go all the way. So true. Christina, <laughs> the great offlicks of Card Insights is Christina is on fire again today. I like it when she fact checks the guys. Well, no, she he likes it when Christina Ch fact. Checks. <laughs> 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 it's a different person. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Let's go. <laughs> and she rolls the window up. <laughs> I'm sure that was an auto correct. I'm sure it happens. It happens on Chris's phone still. It does not. No, I'm just kidding. No. I was trying to make him feel better. Oh, yeah, it happens to me too. Okay. I like how my phone knows that I swear a lot. It's like, you're probably not saying duck. <laughs> <laughs> my, phone, my phone at this point like throws in extra fucks because they're like, you didn't swear enough in this text. Are you sure you want to send it? Yeah, like if you just idle on Christina's phone, the three first predicted words are fuck, shit, and ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, maybe not ass. All right. 
It's usually just fuck. Okay. Uh, oh, gosh. Get ready. Jesse J. Pender says, oh, I don't even know if I want to do this. Is this, this oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to do it. We got 19 minutes to go here. Jesse J. Pender says, if Steph or Kevin Durant managed to win five titles, by the way, Kevin Durant is, is at two, and LeBron stays at four, is LeBron still in the top three convo? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> All right, good. I like that as the answer. All right, let's move Well, on. here, do me this favor. Why don't you go ahead and pull up some statistics for me? Yes, yeah, so I, I mean, dude, if we want to go down a serious direction with this, you know, uh, Steph and KD combined uh, have as many titles as LeBron when they were – you, you can – because here's the thing. You have to split those up. You know, you have to split those KD got two of those finals MVPs, and Curry uh, didn't get one until last last uh, summer. And all that stuff matters. But also, like, what, like, why are we judging individual players by team accomplishments? Can anybody explain that one to me? Well, I was, I was going to just go ahead and say Robert Ori and just kind of walk away yeah. if we want to do that, too. Like, I guess, so, so then I guess that makes Bill Russell the goat of all goats. <laughs> well... He's playing against plumbers and five other teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. why this is just like an impossible thing. So, like, that's why we have to just use advanced analytics to try to help us organize this conversation. Right. Amen to that. Okay. Art Connoisseur says, do auction houses have an obligation to disclose when employees are selling items in an auction? Hmm. I think they should. Remember, we were di disclosing cards and card letter that we own. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. It, it's always better than not to give people as much information as possible. But I just don't know where the conflict of interest lies, and maybe I'm missing it. But if somebody works at an auction house and they're selling an item, how? In what way are we as consumers, as potential bidders, as collectors? In what ways are we being misled or potentially harmed if we don't know that an employee of the auction house is the one selling it? And nothing immediately comes to mind. It's like, uh, you know, if you work at freaking Apple and you have to tell everyone you own an iPhone, it's like, well, I, I mean, I believe in my own product, so I use it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, if there was like an obvious conflict of interest issue then, you know, maybe it would be um, more worrisome if we weren't disclosing it. But I just, I'm, I'm not quite sure that I see the issue. I'm not quite sure how an employee, by not disclosing that they own the card, is getting an, an advantage of some, of some type. Just not quite sure about it. As a, as a user of, let's, you know, just pick an auction house. If you saw that, would like, would you? My thought would be like, why are you telling me that? Why is right. this on the page? Why do I have to like waste brain cells deciphering? Now I have to go through and look at all these cards and see if who owns what. I don't know. Yep. 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 Well, I have a, I have an idea. If you don't trust the auction house, then stop fucking using it. Like, because that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Like, like it sounds like. 
you have an issue far greater than just like, oh, it's an employee selling. Like, st just stop then. Like, use your capitalist dollars and, and like let the market speak for itself then. Yeah, fair. Uh, that's that just gets. That line of thinking, though, can lead to some bizarre. That, that's just that's almost like saying you can't criticize the president because why don't you just go run for president yourself? I'm actually like I actually do believe that though. I know. I know. I mean, but she's saying yeah, go vote for a different president. She's not saying run for, make your own true. company. True, true, true. Yeah, that that but that doesn't absolve people from doing the right thing just because there's a hypothetical alternative out there. Uh, okay. If you own if you own one of these companies, would you let your employees sell on the platform? I I, I think so. I I need to know. Like uh, maybe Art Connoisseur <clears throat> could write in, or you know somebody in the chat could raise the raise some of the issues with like what are the potential conflicts that I'm just not thinking of. That's <sighs> That's a conflict, no matter what. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not a conflict. That's a that's a a crisis or an issue that impacts all cards. I don't know why it would uniquely impact cards listed by employees of an auction house. Well, I think like they have some sort of like inside track to promote the shilling from within. I don't know. Yeah, but then the premise the premise of that question is that. Employ all employees at auction houses have the ability to secretly shill their own cards using the company software. And if that's the premise, the solution can't be well. Just tell us that the employees. No, <laughs> then we have a much bigger problem. <laughs> we have to come with a much bigger solution to that problem. And just like well, that's we'll what allow Christina it. was saying. Yeah, that's we'll, what we'll allow the employees. What Christina was saying. Yeah. That's what she was saying. Was like, correct me if I'm wrong, Christina, but you were saying if that's your issue and you think. That's happening behind the scenes. You have an issue with the company, and we have a bigger problem. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to get at. Chris took it too super like negative, but like it, I'm not the one being. I'm saying that like potentially our connoisseur has the negative outlook, and that's why he's saying something extra should be disclosed. But like at the same time, like auction houses, like isn't the whole point? of an auction house versus putting it up at a show like yourself is that you're doing it semi-anonymously and like sellers aren't disclosed ever unless the seller comes out and says yes this is my card so like that like to me I, I just the question tells me that you have more red flags than just the question therefore my solution is back away from the fucking red flags mm -hmm. So Ben Cross Country Runner says even the appearance of potential shenanigans matters. You have to think about the optics, and that's true. And as we preface this with, more transparency is better than less, almost always. But the burden of proof here is on the person raising the question. The burden of proof has to be established. The person who's who's saying this should happen, the person who wants to change the status quo has to make the affirmative case for why. So that's why I'm framing this as like, why? what is? what are the potential conflicts that we're missing out on here? So uh, shout out to Jordan. All right. So Jordan, at what age was the signature that 
That's all I have to ask you. Yeah. So a good, a good provocative question here in the waning minutes of the show. <laughs> Nick's basketball PC said, "Which V Friends character should you personally collect next?" And he sent like a picture of like Funko Pop V Friends or something. I didn't look <laughs> the empathetic elephant. I think is yeah. the next. Great that's, asset that's, class. That's a very timely V, Fred. All right, uh, Jake, '90s B-ball cards says, "Why don't we have drive-through Pizza Hut?" And or, or, or why don't we have drive-through pizza? He says, "Taco Bell slash Pizza Hut <laughs> drive-throughs don't count." <laughs> that's some next-level thinking, Jake. <laughs> that's a pressing question. But yeah, is kind of awkward to get through your. This is such a good question. There's a logistical. It's like you could also be like, how come? I mean, I know this is not not the case anymore because of Uber and stuff. But how come pizza was always delivered and fast food was never delivered? (laughs) Right. But pizza doesn't get drive-throughs, but they get delivery now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I uh, wish we could come up with something better for you, Jake. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's about it, man. I think we're. I think that's going to do it. It's been a good show. Um, we have to get up early tomorrow to go back to the Dallas Card Show. I bet you're going back. We're going back for one more day, and maybe early. maybe we'll try to make it to the trade show as well, or uh, the the trade night as well. Can I make so, one more announcement? Yeah. I'm running in a half marathon on Sunday. Ooh. Send me send me well wishes. Oh, my goodness. A half marathon is 13.1 miles, right? It is. I've never ran that far in my life. We're going to see how it goes. But you've gotten close in your training. What's the farthest you've gone in your training? 10.3. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, you're adding on uh, 30%. That was in the pouring rain, so. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. What what's what are the temperature conditions looking like? It says rain, which is ridiculous because it never rains in Arizona. Uh, but it's going to be fifties and cloudy. Okay. Well, that's better than like nineties or something. Was that rainy weather yeah. in Dallas? Uh, nope. It was. Two Sundays ago, it was pouring rain. Well, I I started and it wasn't raining. I was like, I'll be fine. It's gonna rain later. I'll I'll beat it. And then I was like two miles away from the house, and I was like, oh fuck, it started pouring. <laughs> uh, have you figured out how you're gonna get water or Gatorade or whatever? Yeah, yep. I'll have some like uh, gels on me, and then they have like water stations and stuff. I mean, it's like a, it's the big. Biggest race in Arizona every year. It's called the Rock and Roll Half Marathon. Uh, it's a mar- there also is a marathon too, but um, it's pretty. There's going to be like fifteen thousand people there. Now you're not having to miss any NFL football to do this, are you? It starts at eight, and I'm slow, so I won't be done until ten thirty. I think the Bills game kicks off at eleven, so I'll be cutting it close. Nice, nice. Uh, are you? Are you calling it quits after this in terms of marathons? No, I've already signed up for two more half marathons. <laughs> Eventually, would would like to get to a full, but 
a full marathon is literally twice as much as the half, so I, I don't know that I can just double. You know, I gotta maybe work up to that. Wait, half? It, wait, a full marathon is two times a half? Yes. That is some math I would not have expected. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, fuck off. <laughs> have you taken the proper precautions to prevent nipple? Uh, <laughs> I've never had this. I don't know what is that a thing? Yes, people tape their nipples for these marathons just to make sure they don't start. I know Andy Bernard does, but I thought that was more of a joke from the office. Apparently, it's real. <laughs> no, it's real. Nipple yeah. friction is no fun. I've never had this. Good, good. All right, all right. Well, we expect an update next week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if he still, if, if he survives, if I'm if I don't respond to you by like noon on Sunday, you should just assume my died on the course. No, are are you a recovery beer guy? Like, do you treat yourself to a beer afterwards? Because they probably oh, yeah. they these marathons they have like beer stations and stuff, right? Oh yeah, there's like a beers and mimosas section waiting for us. I'm definitely gonna have a beer. Nice, nice. Are you nervous at all? Yes. Oh fuck! We have, okay, that's great. All right, so we need to pick uh, an episode title. Oh yes. Uh, uh, well, I vote. Uh, I don't like the emoji. Let's come up with a title. Well, look, I'll run through some of the stuff that's come up. Yeah, go ahead and read them off. So, <laughs> stiff arm wax said, "Nipple friction is no fun." Is a late contender. <laughs> uh, fuck, shit, and ass. <laughs> a materialistic girl in a materialistic world. <laughs> you wrote that down. Because people will assume it's me. But <laughs> uh, don't be so sure. Okay. Uh, let me show you my huge one. <laughs> uh, pleasure Center. Frazier of finance. I like that one. That I, yeah, that is a good one. That's a low-key one. And everyone's <laughs> going to be listening to the show, you know, being like, how did they come up with Frazier Finance when there was all these other great names waiting? You got to watch the show. Yeah, exactly. And then you got a huge one, don't you? <laughs> so, Frazier Finance. I think I vote Frazier Finance. Frazier. Christina? Christina? Uh, yeah, sure. Nice. All right, there it is. We settled it. All right, drop I love how it is. Definitely like, what does that mean? You got to watch the show. Exactly. Good luck on your half marathon, Josh. Yeah. Thank you. I'll uh, text you guys after I'm done so you know I'm alive and Card Ladder will still exist. Nice. Maybe you could, like, yeah. post a picture of yourself, like, bursting through the finish line and uh, hashtag uh, thank you, sports guys. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was gonna say, yeah, pack the kids hold like toilet paper up, and you run like for when you are the last one to run through the finish line, and you can. The last the one. Said, <laughs> She's talking so much shit right now. She's like, yeah, fifteen thousand people. Like, I'm not gonna get last. <laughs> There's not gonna be a finish line left for you, but you can put up toilet paper with your kids. Wow. There's gonna be definitely someone slower than me, but. I don't know if I'm going to be dead last. That would be pretty sad. 15,000 people. You ain't coming in last. Oh, my God. No, you're not. All right.
A lot has changed since Card Ladder began. We started with 500 cards in our database, and now we have over 3 million cards and over 30 million sales. For anyone asking who is the best, we put in our hands up. With Card Ladder's sales history feature, we have virtually every card in our system. If the card you are looking for ever sold on one of these platforms, you can find it using Card Ladder's sales history. And you can add a card to your collection with just one click. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Plus, every card, no matter the last time it sold, has an estimated value that we calculated using our state-of-the-art player indexes. Unlike other apps, when you see Card Ladder's verified check mark, that means a researcher personally vetted each and every sale. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We know what you want because Card Ladder was created by collectors for collectors. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. Join the innovators, not the imitators. Card Ladder 2.0, constantly innovating. Try it for free. See why Card Ladder is the industry leader in sports card data. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. Card Ladder 2.0.